it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. Hey, a way to start your day. It is Monday, the 10th of July. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a prayer to St. Joseph the Worker. Joseph, by the work of your hands and the sweat of your brow, you supported Jesus and Mary and had the Son of God as your fellow worker. Teach me to work as you did, with patience and perseverance, for God and for those whom God has given me to support. Teach me to see in my fellow workers the Christ who desires to be in them, that I may always be charitable and forbearing towards all. Grant me to look upon work with the eyes of faith, so that I shall recognize in it my share in God's own creative activity and in Christ's work of our redemption, and so take pride in it. When it is pleasant and productive, remind me to give thanks to God for it. And when it is burdensome, teach me to offer it to God in reparation for my sins and the sins of the world. Amen. St. Joseph the Worker, pray for us know that uh, many of you had some time off in the middle of last week or maybe the whole week of last week off or a mix of the two and now you're back to work for a full week. I know I am. So let's uh, let's get after it and see what we can do. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll take a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing, Andrew Pettiprin along as well, reflecting on an article he did for Catholic World Report. We'll talk to Father John Gavin and uh, get more of his thoughts on the Church Fathers and the Catechism. Today we'll discuss the Trinity and creation. And then Joseph Pierce is doing what apparently is like one of the most low-key popular (laughs) things he's ever done. He's doing a book club for the Institute of Catholic Culture on Brideshead Revisited this summer, and I feel like half the people I know are going to be uh, participating in this course. So you'll want to hear about it. Stay tuned. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has announced a new consistory during which he will create 21 new cardinals in September. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. After some appeals following the Angelus, the Pope announced a consistory for the creation of 21 new cardinals from around the world to be held at the Vatican on the 30th of September, 2023. The consistory falls before the beginning of the Synod on Synodality, set to take place with representatives from all over the world in October. The Pope said, I would like to announce that next 30th of September, I will hold a consistory for the appointment of new cardinals. Where they come expresses the universality of the Church, which continues to proclaim the merciful love of God to all people of the earth. In addition, he said, the insertion of the new cardinals in the Diocese of Rome manifests the inseparable bond between the See of Peter and the local churches spread throughout the world. Let us pray for the new cardinals so that confirming their adhesion to Christ, the merciful and faithful high priest might help me in my ministry as Bishop of Rome for the good of the entire holy people faithful to God. The cardinal-elects hail from all over the world. Among them are several prefects of Vatican dicasteries, as well as the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, the Bishop of Hong Kong, and the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Also, during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for peace in the Holy Land in the wake of violence in the Janine Palestinian refugee camp. 
The Holy Father said, quote, with sorrow, I learned again that blood has been poured out in the Holy Land. I hope that the Israeli and Palestinian leaders can resume direct dialogue to bring an end to the spiral of violence and open paths of reconciliation and peace, end quote. He also appealed again for peace in Ukraine, saying, let us pray for this people that suffers so much. President Biden is in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. He arrived over the weekend for a high-stakes visit leading up to the NATO summit. Biden will meet with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak early this morning and later visit with King Charles at Windsor Castle. He then travels to Lithuania to hold talks with NATO leaders in a show of support for Ukraine. The trip comes after the president announced the plans of the U.S. to provide cluster bombs to the Ukrainian military. At the same time, he has made clear his belief that now is not the time to bring Ukraine into NATO. The U.S. military says Reaper drones have killed a top ISIS leader hiding in Syria. Mark Mayfield reports. The U.S. Central Command announced the drone strike in a statement on Sunday. It noted that Osama al-Muhajir was killed on Friday by the same three Reaper drones that had been harassed earlier in the day by Russian fighter jets over Syria. CENTCOM said there were no indications that any civilians were killed in the airstrike. I'm Mark Mayfield. Congress is back in session this week after the 4th of July break. The biggest item on their agenda in the House of Representatives is the $886 billion National Defense Authorization Act, The act has already been subjected to more than 1,400 amendments. Meanwhile, in the Senate, Democrats on the Judiciary Committee want to work on establishing ethics standards for Supreme Court justices. Severe weather is bearing down on areas throughout the U.S. More than 30 million Americans are under some kind of heat alert, and excessive temperatures are likely in parts of Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada through the week. In Texas, the city of El Paso set a record Sunday for the longest streak of consecutive days above 100 degrees, 24 days in a row. Meanwhile, severe storms began sweeping the northeast yesterday, affecting hundreds of flights at key travel hubs. Officials say places like New York and Vermont could see catastrophic flooding through today. And the Home Run Derby is on tap tonight in Seattle as part of the MLB All-Star break. Top-seeded Louise Robert Jr. of the White Sox will square off with Baltimore's Adley Rushman in round one. Two-time Derby champion Pete Alonzo will face Seattle's Julio Rodriguez in the two-versus-seven matchup. Third-seeded Mookie Betts of the Dodgers will battle Toronto's Vladimir Guerrero, while Texas's Adelise Garcia goes up against Tampa Bay's Randy Arozarena in the 4-5 matchup. The Home Run Derby is a single elimination bracket system with three total rounds. Okay, so Juan Soto's not in it to defend his, t- his title. It appears not. Okay. All right, let me think this through. So Randy Arozarena would be a... Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to... Uh, I'm torn between you know here's here's the issue is that Pete Alonso and Vlad Guerrero are both on the same side of the bracket, hmm. so it's going to be one of them versus Randy Arozarena is my guess. Okay, you know what I'm going I'm going for the polar bear. There you go. The little the little money I have is going on the polar bear. Pete Alonso, we'll see what happens. 
You have money. Yeah, I make, I make that church money, remember? Oh, yeah. Got it. Okay. Now, I just want to make clear that that is not how we spend the uh, gifts that you make <laughs> to uh, Catholic Radio is on home run derby betting. No. Nope. Or prop bets of any kind. In fact, Matt doesn't actually. I don't actually. I've never gambled. <laughs> Not on sports. I only only time I ever gamble, Anna Mitchell, is, is the only time church I will, you ever gamble. Is at church festivals where yeah. I play to lose. Yeah, exactly. It's good to have you back, Matt. It's good to be back. I've missed my Sunrise Morning Show family, although I spent actually a whole week with several of them. Believe it or not, I'll talk more about that later. Cool. It's eight minutes past. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. Here to do that, as always, is Kevin Schmiesing, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Talk about a lot of papal elections in this segment. Which pope today? Yeah, we do. We're looking at Pope Clement Twelfth back in 1730. He was born Lorenzo Corsini into a noble Florentine family. He was related to a 14th century saint, Andrew Corsini. Lorenzo was educated in law, entered the priesthood in his 30s, rose quickly through the ranks of the church, becoming a cardinal in 1706. When Pope Benedict XIII died in 1730, Cardinal Corsini was elected to succeed him. It was this week, July 12, 1730. On his accession to the papacy, Clement was 78 years old. Now, American voters are getting accustomed to electing septuagenarians, but this was long past the life expectancy at the time. And in fact, Clement wasn't in the best of health. Among his ailments, he was nearly blind. Nonetheless, his papacy lasted 10 years and he was remarkably effective. His predecessor had been saintly, but not a great administrator. So one of Clement's chief tasks was setting in order the finances of the papal states, which he did successfully. He's also remembered as a patron of the arts. He initiated two projects that would have a lasting impact on the appearance of Rome. The first involves the Basilica of St. John Lateran. That church had been in the church's hands since the time of Constantine, but the travertine limestone facade that visitors see today was added at the behest of Pope Clement in the 18th century. It was also Clement who sponsored the design and construction of a new sculptured fountain at the site of the terminal of one of Rome's ancient aqueducts. This Baroque masterpiece is known as the Trevi Fountain, and it's one of the city's most famous sites. On the theological front, Clement issued a condemnation of Freemasonry in 1738. That inaugurated a long history of controversy and conflict between the Masons and the Church. Clement died in 1740. His remains were entombed in St. John Lateran in the Corsini Chapel, a space that he had built to honor his ancestor, St. Andrew. Pope Clement XII elected this week in 1730. And again, when it comes to sculptures, this is one of those things where we don't always know exactly who made what, with the exception of you know some stuff by Michelangelo. But talk about a sculptor this week that we're recognizing in history as well. Yeah, a name probably not well known at this point, but he was a prolific German-American sculptor. He died this week in 1907. His name, Joseph Sibyl. He was born in northwestern Germany in 1850. As a child, he exhibited skill and interest in wood carving, so his parents sent him to apprentice with a master carver, and he soon developed expertise, especially in ecclesiastical sculpture. This was a period when there was heavy demand for wood carving in churches, not only statues, but also altarpieces, communion rails, stations of the cross, and so on. Sybil also gained proficiency in other media, including plaster and clay. In 1873, he emigrated to Cincinnati, Ohio. 
There he tried to make a living in art, but struggled to do so. First tried in sacred sculpture, then in secular, wasn't successful in either one. He moved to New York City, where he also struggled at first. Many churches, one of the reasons for this is that many churches and other institutions were beginning to use mass manufactured ornamentation instead of true art. But he got his big break when he was commissioned to do a series of relief sculptures for the new Cathedral of St. Joseph in Hartford, Connecticut. From that time forward, he was pretty busy. He did a series of statues, including St. Patrick for St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. He did statues of North and South American saints for Dunwoody, the seminary of the Archdiocese of New York. He made statues of Peter and Paul for the cathedral in Philadelphia and statues of the apostles for St. Paul's Cathedral in Pittsburgh. You can also find Sybil's Stations of the Cross and other works in the chapels of mother houses and convents across the country, such as the Sisters of St. Joseph in St. Louis and the Sisters of Charity in Cincinnati. In 1888, American Illustrated Magazine called him the leading master in the art of sculpture for the Catholic Church. Joseph Sybil died in New York this week. July 10th, 1907. A lot of those places are within driving distance of many of our listeners if they want to go check out some of his work in person. Kevin Schmiesing, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, also from the Catholic History Trek podcast. Thanks for being with us. Talk to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. And bear in mind, if you pick up Kevin's book, uh, That Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History logs a whole lot of sites around the country that if you haven't gone on vacation yet or want to add something maybe a long weekend into the mix or maybe just take a saturday day trip there are a lot of pretty cool catholic sites in your uh vicinity that you may not have ever checked out so check out kevin's book to find out more let's check on weather for the nation heavy rain and gusty thunderstorms will soak the northeast southeast deep south and southern plains throughout the day A few showers also possible across the coast of the mid-Atlantic, mainly in the morning and early afternoon. Showers and thunderstorms found across the Rockies, northern and central plains, upper Mississippi Valley, and Great Lakes. Across those areas, torrential downpours and strong to severe thunderstorms will be likely. Damaging winds, large hail, perhaps even a few tornadoes, all possible, so keep a lookout if you live in any of those regions. High pressure and control of the weather across the western U.S., That'll mean dry uh, conditions. Breezy winds along with dry weather will cause elevated to critical fire danger in the interior northeast and Great Basin. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 14 minutes past the hour. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. 
go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God and now there's no more fear, there's just acceptance and I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following His rules and your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 16 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has announced the next consistory in September, during which he will create 21 new cardinals. During his Angelus yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for peace in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. And President Biden is in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I'm trying to figure out like when would be a good time to do the update. Might as well do now about like where I was last week. Yeah. So I uh, spent the week. Uh, some of you may have heard spots on the Sunrise Morning Show for the Apostolate for Family Cra- uh, Consecration, which uh, has a little spot up in uh, Northeast Ohio called Catholic Family Land. Mm-hmm. I went. You were and, uh, in Catholic family land. So I'd heard about it uh, years and years ago, and of course the first time I heard of it, it was somebody who uh, I think it was associated with the Sunrise Morning Show mentioned they'd be speaking there. I'm like, Catholic family? Is that like a, is that like six flags over the Vatican? Or something? <laughs> like, what is it? What the? What in the world are you? Uh, you I riding like uh, the first when I first heard of it, this is I thought the Ascension it was like, coaster. Is you know, this it's Catholic... the highest coaster in the in the cosmos. Well, no, I was going to say I thought it was like Catholic Wally World. Okay, it could be know? like that. Yeah. Well, so actually, how it's... close is it to Wally World? I, well, so it's not a it's not an amusement park. Oh, okay. although I got to say there was uh, amusement did abound. Mm. Uh, it's a camp. It's a family camp. And uh, we did primitive camping, which was pretty epic for the first couple of days when there was torrential downpours. Oh, neat. Um, but it's not that complicated, but it's amazing. So uh, you got daily mass and like uh, a speaker in the mornings, and then they just sort of turn you and your family loose for like softball and gaga ball and nine square and beach volleyball. And Wait, then what's you... gaga ball? It's too difficult to explain on the radio without diagrams. Oh, okay. Uh, I myself don't understand it. But then you kind of regroup in the evening for like a 7 p.m. rosary. And like I'm in the middle of a softball tournament with like just all these families with six, seven, eight, nine kids, you know, roaming around. We're playing softball and 3 p.m. rolls around and somebody goes on the loudspeaker and says, all right, let's begin the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And this campsite full of like hundreds of teenagers and middle schoolers and small children just stops and you could hear a pin drop except for the divine mercy chaplet i'm like so cool. why can't and why can't all of like life be like this yeah, it was pretty really? cool that's awesome it was pretty cool of course it was also kind of you know it has all the necessary things to be a corny camp experience because mm-hmm. you got to have some of that yeah of course you know corny camp songs and who things was, like that who was speaking at your uh well um you may know matt leonard Oh, yeah. Uh, who does Science of Sainthood. He was there. I got to talk to him. Chris Padgett was there and a bunch nice. of other people. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty great. There were like 
seven priests at every one of the masses. It was kind of wild. Wow. Wow, it's kind yeah, of hard I, to explain. There's actually a bunch of things that I would like to tell you about Anna Mitchell, but I'm not going to tell you about because I think that you and your family should come next year and we should go too. And I don't want to spoil some ooh, things. Ooh, a swame Egan joint vacation. All I can say, okay, here's all I will say, is that on the closing ceremonies night, they had like an impromptu songwriting thing where families were given like some prompts and they had to write some songs based on some things oh, that had happened at camp. And I'm like, this is Will Egan's wheelhouse. <laughs> Your husband and his family were born for this. Cool. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I'm down. I'm down for it. Thanks for scoping it out, man. I did scope it out. And also I met tons and tons of Sunrise Morning Show listeners who all say hello to you. Hello back. So, I hope they're listening right now. Do you think the, they're awake? I don't like know if they're awake. But good morning, Gabe and Kelly and Calixto and Brenda and Gabe. There's a whole bunch of people. I saw them. It's awesome. a good time. Check it out. Season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack from Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Cincinnati, Ohio, with the Sacred Heartbeat. The Sacred Heart of Jesus beats with a perfect love in His Church and for His Church. He asks us for a response to His love for us, and one way He asks us to respond is frequent attendance at Mass and the reception of Holy Communion, particularly on the first Friday of every month. He promises us that we will receive special gifts by attending nine consecutive First Friday Masses. In this promise, Jesus reminds us that by approaching him in loving humility and asking his forgiveness for our sins and those of the whole world, we may properly dispose our hearts and souls to be transformed in his divine love. Let us make a sincere effort to keep the First Friday devotion so that our broken hearts may be healed, and through our love and presence, a broken world will be made whole. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. And we're joined now by Andrew Pettiprin, who's got a piece over at Catholic World Report on Pope Francis's letter about Blaise Pascal. Andrew, welcome back. Glad to be back, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. And uh, Pascal, uh, some people know him for his wager. Some people know him for math. Uh, but... There's a lot more beyond that to know about Pascal. Uh, were you surprised that Pope Francis did a letter about him? Well, I was a little surprised, Matt. I, I didn't I didn't see it coming. I have to admit, I'm uh, I'm an admirer of Pascal's work, 
but I didn't happen to know that it, we were coming up on the 400th anniversary of his birth, but we were. And um, Pope Francis obviously was aware of that and wanted to mark the occasion by um, telling the faithful about this great, um, this great Catholic thinker. And so just a few days ago on June 19th, he, as you say, he issued this apostolic letter called Sublimitas et Miseria Hominis, or The Grandeur and Misery of Man, where he tells us a little bit about Blaise Pascal. And, you know, to your question about whether it was surprising that Pope Francis in particular wanted to single out Pascal, uh, I think not, for a number of reasons. One of them is um, Pascal, like Pope Francis, uh, had an interest in in science. And, um, you know, he uh, was an inventor and a a mathematician. And I know uh, Pope Francis, who worked uh, and trained in chemistry as a younger man, must have uh, found certain affinities with Pascal on that account. And then um, the other reason is I, I think there's a lot about Pascal's faith that, um, that we can see in some of the things Pope Francis says and does. Um, Pascal was a man who believed very much in the, um, the gift of human reason and that human reason could solve a lot of human problems, but also believed that we um, were deeply in need of God's grace um, to choose the good and to be saved by Christ. Which brings us to one of the most misunderstood legacies of Pascal, which is his wager, which, you know, a lot of people think can be summarized as, well, you might as well believe in God just in case you die and there is one, and then your uh, bases are covered. (laughs) In fact, Pascal uh, himself, you know, and to just borrow a quote directly from him, he says, the infinite abyss inside us can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object, that is to say, by God himself. Pascal did more than wager in his own spiritual life. But what was he really saying with the wager? Yeah, well, Pascal's wager, um, you know, I hope listeners may just um, go research that themselves, because it's a very important concept, and it's something that Pascal is is very well known for. And something I point out in the article that I wrote for Catholic World Report is that Pope Francis doesn't actually address the question of Pascal's wager in his apostolic letter. And that may be for a variety of reasons. One probably is, as you say, it's a, it's a rather misunderstood concept, and maybe he just didn't want to get in the weeds with that. But it's an important concept, too, because as you were alluding to, the thing is, we, we all live our lives, whether we believe in God or are skeptics or are even atheists, we all live our lives in a state of a sort of wager. We're all kind of betting our existence on, on a certain reality that we are um, supposing to be true. And so, you know, for a skeptic, um, that's a person who's always walking a tightrope over, uh, over a chasm that is um, that where faith is contained. And, and people of faith are, in a sense, always looking ahead and, and wondering if what they believe is true, too. So we're always sort of taking that leap of faith, which Kierkegaard would later talk about. Um, but Pascal says, you know, the thing is that the, the benefits of faith, um, not just in the life of the world to come, but in this world, are so great, um, that, and, and the cost really so low, that it is incumbent upon us to... Um, to, to be sure that we're kind of taking that bet, that we're, that we're walking the right road, which in his mind is not onerous. It is not um, a killjoy religion, but actually the opposite, that, that the reality of God is joy itself. And so if we take that wager, we are um, invited into that joy. I mean, really, who would you like planning your holidays for you, the Catholic Church or Walmart? You know, I mean, <laughs> the, the consumer exactly. industry will create a, a, a religious— festivity on the calendar and a way to practice it 
uh, no matter what. I mean, we're going to be finding rituals in some other way. But, you know, as you're talking about skeptics and leaps of faith, I cannot help but think of uh, Indiana Jones with the new movie coming out, who is a very interesting place. I, I hold out hope that Indiana Jones may be saved. I don't know if I, don't want, <laughs> I mean, but because here's a guy who acts all in the world like a skeptic when it comes to the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant. But he also sort of treats it like it's real at various points, yeah. you know, and so. I think a lot of people kind of hang in that balance of, you know, wanting to be skeptical, but also not wanting to be all the way skeptical, not fully agnostic even. Maybe even if it's superstition driving it, you still hope that there's something in there of faith in them that's causing them to just say, you know, here's some lines that I won't cross. Yeah, and, you know, Pope Francis kind of highlights that that very idea that is present in the works of Pascal as well. He He looks at Pascal as a an evangelistic figure because he is not somebody who says that you're you're just going to convince someone to be a person of faith by a, a just pure proposition, right? You're not you're not just going to you're not going to just present a, a nice tidy wrapped up argument and then somebody will say, oh great, I'm I'm 100% in and that's that. We all live lives of faith and doubt. We all do. And so you know Pascal is somebody who comforts us um, as some of the some of the greatest. Um, Catholic thinkers do in, you know, understanding how to just continue to walk that road of faith um, amid all the things that are coming at us, as you say, in the world, all the competing religions that are on offer uh, in our world today. Well, thank you so much, Andrew Pettiprin. You can find his work at Catholic World Report. You can also find it at andrewpettiprin.com, which is linked, as you might imagine, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Uh, we didn't have our show notes quite up and running the way that we wanted to last week because our social media manager was on vacation. Uh, so was the person who responds to a lot of our listener requests and emails. Um, that's Those are both me. So I was not out. I was not in. But I am back in this week, so show notes are up and running. Anything you want to find from the show today, head on over to sunrisemorningshow.com, click show notes, enter your email, get them delivered to your inbox every morning. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis will be creating 21 new cardinals come September. The Holy Father announced this during his Angelus address yesterday that the consistory will be held on September 30th, just ahead of the assembly of the Synod on Synodality. The addition of the new Cardinals will bring the overall total in the college to 137, about 100 of which have been elevated by Pope Francis. Among the new Cardinals will be Chicago native Archbishop Robert Prevost and Archbishop Christophe Pierre, who is the papal nuncio to the United States. Also, during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for an end to violence in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Nathan Morley reports. Pope Francis appealed for dialogue in the Holy Land and for peace and reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians. The call came amid heightened tensions following Israel's recent military incursion into the occupied West Bank. Last week, Israel targeted the Janin refugee camp, resulting in widespread devastation. The unrest began when 150 armoured vehicles and around 1,000 Israeli soldiers enforced a siege on the Jenin camp, a known flashpoint for Israeli-Palestinian violence. 
Video footage showed the destruction of homes, shops, roads, water and electricity networks, which caused an almost complete power outage after the raids. The Israeli army, for their part, said the operation was aimed at destroying and confiscating weapons. During the operation, the UN's humanitarian office said it was alarmed at the scale of air and ground operations in Jenin, and especially airstrikes hitting a densely populated camp. Thousands of Palestinians fled the camp once the unrest began. In response to the Israeli operation, seven people were injured, three seriously, in a car ramming attack in Tel Aviv on Tuesday. This weekend, a delegation of foreign diplomats visited the refugee camp on a tour organized by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees. A delegation of mostly 30 European diplomats inspected homes and infrastructure which was destroyed during the offensive. According to the Palestinian Red Crescent Society, the Israeli military operation in Jenin left 13 Palestinians dead and at least 150 others wounded, including 30 in critical condition. For Vatican Radio, this is Nathan Morley reporting. President Biden is in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. He arrived over the weekend for a visit leading up to NATO summit. Biden will be meeting with the British Prime Minister today and also with King Charles III at Windsor Castle. He then travels to Lithuania to hold talks with NATO leaders in a show of support for Ukraine. The president has said now is not the time to bring Ukraine into NATO, But last week, the administration did announce the U.S. plans to provide cluster bombs to the Ukrainian military. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says sending cluster bombs to the country is about keeping them in the fight against Russia. Mark Mayfield has more on that. Kirby said on ABC's This Week that the Biden administration is mindful of the potential for civilian casualties caused by the cluster munitions. He added that Russian forces pose a greater risk to Ukrainian civilians and children. Kirby said Russia has already been using cluster bombs in the war. I'm Mark Mayfield. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is calling her visit to China, quote, constructive. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Yellen said she and Chinese officials discussed the global economy and both countries' economies, along with national concerns. Yellen said she also addressed reports of Chinese authorities trying to intimidate U.S. companies into doing business in China. She said she informed Chinese officials any actions the U.S. takes will be, quote, narrowly targeted and well explained. And severe weather is bearing down on areas throughout the U.S. More than 30 million Americans are under some kind of heat alert and excessive temperatures are likely in parts of Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada throughout the week. Meantime, severe storms began sweeping the Northeast yesterday, affecting hundreds of flights at key travel hubs. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. 
when you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. It is a difficult thing to have an exact idea of one's goal. But it is likewise true that all of us must perfectly pinpoint the virtue we are aiming to acquire. However, if we cannot do this, we must not lose courage or get upset. We must get as close to the goal as possible, because even the saints did not succeed in doing any more than that. Only our Lord and the Virgin Most Holy fully succeeded. Never believe the praises of people. At the very best, what they say is flattery, even if they do not recognize it as such. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Anna, Anna Mitchell. Mitchell. Hello. i got to remember your name. It's been so long since we've I know, spoken. man. I tell you what. There's so much that has gone on. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I mentioned the the, um, the Catholic family land experience. I feel weird every time I say it because <laughs> I feel like I came back with like – I did come back with a T-shirt. But, you know um, – there was an interesting thing they did uh, for the teenagers because they split people out into like age groups for like evening activities and they had Eucharistic adoration. Um, well, they had it pretty much going the whole time. And by the way, when you go into the chapel, which is next to like the softball field where they're doing outdoor confessions, it's like standing room only, like pretty much all day in the adoration chapel. Wow. It's pretty cool. But I guess they did a separate um, like a like a benediction holy hour thing for the teenagers and they had cloths draped over the altars, sort of running down uh, from the altar. And they were, you know, basically made it to where the teenagers could go up and grab like a corner of the cloth while they prayed. And it was in reference to today's gospel, wow. um, which if you've been to Mass already or if you're headed to Mass, uh, the gospel reading from today is where in Matthew uh, we see that Jesus is approached by an official saying, my daughter has died. Come lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus rises and follows him and heads over that way. And on the way, a woman who's suffering for 12, from 12 years of hemorrhages touches the tassel on his cloak saying, if I can only touch his cloak, I shall be cured. Mm. And of course she is. But I thought that was, I'd never really seen that practice before or heard of that practice before of just sort of like touching the hem of the garment that leads up to the monstrance. <laughs> As it That's were. really cool. I've heard of that in, um, you know, when you're when you're in a big adoration night and um, and the priest will actually process with the monstrance. 
there are a lot of people that will touch the hem of the priest's garment, mm. um, his vestments, as as he walks through with with Jesus in the monstrance. But I've never heard of that um, as. But makes sense, um, you know, when uh, you go to mass at more traditional parishes that use an altar rail. Um, many altar rails will have um, will have a cloth draped over it as um, sort of an extension of the altar. Um, so I think that the same kind of concept there in that, um, you know, you're you're there at the altar to receive Jesus. Well, I told you I wasn't going to spoil anything and then it just spoiled something else. What's that? Th- that, that thing. That oh, I just said. oh, that's a spoiler alert. Oh, also, by the way. Um, went to uh went to the lost and found just to look for something and you know what's in the lost and found at catholic family land I just a whole were... bunch of just a whole bunch of scapulars I thought just you like tons were going and tons of scapulars this is this is so funny because yesterday i walked out of church and didn't realize that roma hadn't left yet and i go so i go to the car and she's not there and i go back to get her and she's walking out of the church with something that she just grabbed out of the lost and found that was not hers I had to tell her that the lost. So I thought you were going to go back into the (laughs) into the nave, and Roma would be like, "Mother, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house?" You know, she's the kind of kid that would totally do that to me. But no, Um, actually, what we did yesterday, um, just a note to parents that this worked at least once for me. Um, We we cut some flowers from our front garden. Um, we have uh, basically, I don't know, I spread a bunch of wildflower seeds a couple of years ago in the front garden bed, and they continue to come back. It's very exciting for me um, because I'm not, you know, usually out there in the garden like you are, Matt. And um, anyway, we went and we cut a few of the flowers out of out of the front garden bed to bring to church to give to the Blessed Mother after Mass. And the children were so well behaved because they wanted to take care of the flowers to give to Mary nice. at the end of Mass. So, so that was our uh, big uh, thing pro yesterday. Tip. So I actually even posted on Twitter yesterday. We were walking um, down through our neighborhood and off towards uh, an edge of it that is not very well maintained uh, lawn-wise. Mm-hmm. And the weeds are growing up and— you know, wildflower seeds, the reason they do so well year after year, Anna Mitchell, is because they're weeds. They are weeds. Ah. They're weeds that happen to flower. Uh, and I don't so, know about that. I've got some poppies in there. Oh, you got some I've poppies. And I've got some really nice daisies. And okay, well then, you know, I'm sorry that I besmirched no, the reputation these of are, your, These of are not weeds. No, these well, are definitely not weeds. Well, I, I pulled up I a whole bunch. I don't bring weeds to the Blessed Mother. Oh, come, come on. Come on. Well, I uh, I brought a whole bunch of weeds home and, and put them in a vase. Actually, okay, so here's something else that I was doing. So we'd pray these outdoor family rosaries, mm-hmm. you know, every night. And you're sitting there, and you ever do that thing where you, like, tie, like, a clover? You pick a clover, and, like, you take the stem, and you tie it to another oh, clover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was, like, just making clover rosaries the whole time. You can do that. Um, neat. That sounds very campy. That is very campy. That is very low-tech like I feel like that's the kind of souvenir you bring back from Catholic family land, it's, as opposed to like maybe if it some survives, or whatever. 
Yeah. If it did, no, these things do not last long. You don't want to get one blessed because it's pretty much done after 24 hours. You have to burn the it. The clover then. rosary. Yeah, you would then have to burn it. Yeah. I'm trying to think to if you missed anything of significance here. Uh, um, a whole week of shows. Well, yeah. Well, a half a week of shows. Half we a were, week of shows. We were off for, yeah, Monday and Tuesday. Um, does Paul Lockman still have all 10 fingers? He does. Fourth of July? He does indeed. Um, we I wouldn't are, want him to only be able to count to nine. I will say, just as a little note, a little preview for listeners, I am looking around my studio right now at three cameras because very soon the Sunrise Morning Show will be live streaming. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So there's a lot of my like, hair. There's, <laughs> me too. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of high tech equipment in my area here and I got to get used to brighter lights and makeup. Mm. Matt, you got powder for your head yet? I, you know, I can figure something out. Okay. Uh, but I did get uh, Anna Mitchell. Um, if I'm going to be on camera, I will have to get out my comb. You know, I got mm-hmm. a, uh, I got a comb for my 40th birthday. Did I tell you about this? For your beard? I got no. I got a comb for my 40th birthday, and I like a who gave, chicken yeah. comb. No, like a like a comb, like a hair comb. And Why? Uh, I told the person who gave it to me. I said, "Thank you. I'll never part with it." Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Joseph Pierce will join us. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't hold out. You missed me. I did. I missed you. Yeah. I did. You know, it was rate, like, by the way, things this... like this, like where I would have to talk for quite a in fact, um, without being distracted. On um Wednesday when we came back, there was some glitch in our board and so oh. like my microphone couldn't turn on for the beginning of the show. And so, like, we came out of, like, we just played a pre-recorded interview to have something planned. I mean, it was a good interview, but um, we came back and I had, like, 10 minutes that I had to fill because I didn't get to do my newscast. Well, and just so I was to, like, I really, really miss Matt already. Well, we were we're we're back at full strength, and we'll we'll have things to talk about. But just so you know, before you head into this Joseph Pierce interview, I know like a half a dozen people who don't know oh, each yeah. other who are all dialed in are going to be doing this Brideshead Revisited ICC Book Club. Oh, I know it's it's insane. like the it's like the hot thing this summer. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Back after this, it's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. 
Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to, or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger, and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis announced yesterday that he'll be creating 21 new cardinals in September. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for an end to violence in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. And President Biden is in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. Next newscast coming up in about 15 minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 12 till. Joseph Pierce is back with us on the Sunrise Morning Show, currently the St. John Henry Newman Visiting Chair of Catholic Studies at Thomas More College in Merrimack, New Hampshire. He's with the Augustine Institute and the St. Austin Review, and you can join his inner sanctum. Support his work at jpierce.co. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And just the other day, you started a three-part book club at the Institute of Catholic Culture on Brideshead Revisited by Evelyn Waugh. And listeners, just as a note, you can still register and be part of this book club. You can watch the recording of of the first session with Joseph and then participate live for the other two sessions, which are on August 2nd and August 23rd. Instituteofcatholicculture.org is where you can go and register. It is free. So, Joseph, why did you choose Brideshead Revisited for this ICC book club? Well, I think it's probably my favorite uh, novel of the 20th century. Um, it's profoundly Catholic. Uh, I, would, I would add there in parentheses that The Lord of the Rings uh, is a, basically a prose epic and not a novel. So uh, <laughs> okay. we're, we're leaving, that, <laughs> leaving, that to one, leaving that to one side. But The Wise Headly Visited was written by Evening War, published uh, at the end of World War II, 1945. It's a profoundly Catholic novel. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful and superb novel. There's not a single word that's out of place. It's, it's it beautifully structured and has a very deep Catholic sensibility and a Catholic meaning. So uh, there's some of the reasons for my choosing it. Well, I'm going to draw on uh, some of the comments that you made in the first session of this book club at the ICC. Who is the protagonist of Brideshead Revisited? Yes, well, um, thankfully, even in what tells us himself in the preface to the second edition of the novel, he he says that the theme of the novel is the operation of divine grace or the operation of divine providence uh, on some uh, different but closely associated uh, individuals. So that means that he tells us basically that the protagonist of the novel is the invisible hand of God himself. If the theme is the workings of, of grace, uh, the, uh, the working of providence, that means that we need to be seeing God's presence in everything that's happening, in the relationship between the characters, in the in in, in the events that that, that, that unfold, 
somewhere or other, uh, even more is telling us we should be seeing the presence of God in what's unfolding before our eyes. And, of course, that's a wonderful, if you like, reflection, uh, a magical mirror uh, of what we're meant to be doing every day of our lives anyway, with, with, with what we see on our everyday lives. Absolutely. So how does this play out in the, the first part of Brideshead Revisited and, and the characters that we're introduced to? Yeah, so basically the, 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 the main, main family is the Flight family. They're an aristocratic English family. Um, uh, the uh, Lord Marshmaine uh, was a Protestant who converted when he married Lady Marshmaine, who's uh, from an old Catholic family, very devout. So the children um, are raised Catholic, and, but uh, their father deserted them, his wife and children, uh, and went off to live, live in Europe with a concubine. So it's a broken marriage. Um, so there's, there's, there's problems. And, and uh, you know, Bride's Head, which is the manor house, <coughs> symbolically, so that the, the bride's head, the head of the bride is the bridegroom. So that, that this family, in some sense, sort of symbolized uh, the, should we say, the human aspect of the church uh, itself, because these are Catholics, but they're not perfect. Some are better than others. Some are more devout than others. Um, so, you know, we, we, we're sort of seeing unfold before, as if you like, the life of or everyday Catholics. Um, and again, we should perhaps be seeing ourselves and, and, and our real-life neighbors uh, as we look upon the flight family as we, as we read the novel. Can I ask, who's your favorite character in Brideshead Revisited? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm tempted to say Cordelia because she's mm. so cute uh, and very devout. I like Brideshead; he's so quirky and devout. I love Lady Marshmaine, who's so awkward but devout. Um, uh, Charles is not very lovable. Um, I, I, anyway, this is of course I'm speaking personally now. Sure, sure. Seb- Sebastian is 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 so darn problematic. Um, so. You know, I, I would probably, well, I, I, I would I'd toss those three balls in the air and try to juggle them. Cordelia, Lady Marshmaine, and, and Lord, and, and, and Bridie, Brideshead. Interesting. So um, the teddy bear, I'm sorry, I can't talk about Brideshead <laughs> without talking about the teddy bear. Not your favorite character? <laughs> well, you don't have a, it doesn't, doesn't have an awful lot of lines. Mm. Um, fair, the teddy fair. Bear, the, teddy, the teddy bear, of course, is called Aloysius. Um and there's a it's symbolic connection there. Um, St. St. Aloysius Gonzaga, the Jesuit, is the patron saint of youth. And he famously said that um, uh, I'm all twisted inside. I entered religion to become untwisted. And, of course, that is very symbolic of Sebastian, mm-hmm. who is also very twisted uh, and um, is in need of being untwisted, but seems somehow to resist that untwisting process, and that's the problem. That's beautiful. So what sort of thing things should we be keeping in mind as we read Brideshead for your book club? Well, as I said, the, two, the first thing is the supernatural dimension. Always be keeping an eye out for the invisible hand of God's presence. But also, you know, I, I think the, the catalyst, the character who serves as a catalyst for our understanding of perhaps the supernatural dimension, uh, more than any other at least, is... Uh, is Lady Marshmaine. So I always say to people that you know, look, look very carefully at what Lady Marshmaine does and what she says and what other people say that she does and say that she says and try, and, and try to analyze that and come to a conclusion as to what's her role in the drama. Is it, is it a positive role? Does it bring people to Christ? Or does it alienate people from Christ? Um, and what might that say about the sort of piety that she has? So 
So they're the sort of questions that I think are key to our understanding the novel on a deeper level. Well, thank you so much, Joseph Pierce. And again, this is the Brideshead Revisited Book Club at the Institute of Catholic Culture. And everything the ICC does is completely free of charge. So you can go and enjoy Joseph Pierce talking about Brideshead Revisited for the next two sessions, um, which you've got some time to uh, to catch up since the first session was last week. Um, the next session is on August 2nd. So pick up your copy of Brideshead Revisited, get reading, and get registered over at Institute of Catholic Culture.org. Matt, where does Brideshead land on your list of favorite novels? I, I'd say, oh man, this is, you're putting me on the spot. I know, maybe I'm top, sorry. Maybe top 50. Where does, wow, top 50. Yeah. You've read a lot of books. I've so. read a lot of books, but also, you know, Brideside is, is kind of, I think it has more appeal to, like, cradle Catholics than it does That's interesting. converts. That's very interesting. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, need, I haven't read it in, like, Joseph's years. Joseph's a convert. Well, but Joseph is just, he's an appreciator of all Joseph. good things. That's true. He's a, he's a different category of dude. Mm-hmm. I don't he know. Did, I, uh, he did make that distinction between... With Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, uh, I don't know. I think I need to go back and reread it. Okay. Well, join the book club. I know your Maybe wife is part of it. Yeah. My wife's in. So we'll see. She likes all things British and novelistic. We got another uh, full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for EWT and listeners. Stay with us. It's three minutes till. Radio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. Hey, a way to start your day. It is Monday, the 10th of July. Let's begin in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the God of our salvation. You have brought all things into being. We, your your creatures, bless your name. You have made us in your image and redeemed us in your love. We, your children, bless your name. You have destined us for everlasting life in your presence. We, your people, bless your name. O God, the giver of all good gifts, our desire to praise you is itself a blessing you have bestowed upon us. We can offer you nothing that you do not already have except our love, which we render to you in worship and in service to all whom you redeem in Jesus Christ. Grant us glad gratitude in him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday, the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. It's good to be back. I had a little time off last week. I left poor Annie all by herself. But we got the team, the band, back together. Up this hour, Teresa Tamio joins us from Catholic Connection. We'll also talk to Brendan Hodge, our stat man from the pillar, who will talk about a little bit of analysis on the new Cardinals just appointed by Pope Francis over the weekend. 
Dr. Jim Schrader will discuss why you should not panic um, about anything that you hear in Anna Mitchell's news, but also about stuff in life. And then Stephanie Mann has some pretty cool things on Thomas More at the end of the hour. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has announced he will be creating 20 new, 21 new cardinals come September. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. After some appeals following the Angelus, the Pope announced a consistory for the creation of 21 new cardinals from around the world to be held at the Vatican on the 30th of September, 2023. The consistory falls before the beginning of the Synod on Synodality, set to take place with representatives from all over the world in October. The Pope said, I would like to announce that next 30th of September, I will hold a consistory for the appointment of new cardinals. Where they come expresses the universality of the Church, which continues to proclaim the merciful love of God to all people of the earth. In addition, he said, the insertion of the new cardinals in the Diocese of Rome manifests the inseparable bond between the See of Peter and the local churches spread throughout the world. Let us pray for the new cardinals so that confirming their adhesion to Christ, the merciful and faithful high priest, might help me in my ministry as Bishop of Rome for the good of the entire holy people faithful to God. The cardinal-elects hail from all over the world. Among them are several prefects of Vatican dicasteries, as well as the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, the Bishop of Hong Kong, and the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for peace in the Holy Land in the wake of violence in the Janine Palestinian refugee camp. The Holy Father said, quote, with sorrow, I learned again that blood has been poured out in the Holy Land. I hope... The Israeli and Palestinian leaders can resume direct dialogue to bring an end to the spiral of violence and open paths of reconciliation and peace, end quote. He also appealed again for peace in Ukraine. He said, let us pray for this people that suffers so much. Meanwhile, President Biden has said now is not the time to bring Ukraine into NATO, Appearing on CNN prior to his trip to the NATO summit this week, Biden said if Ukraine joined NATO while it's at war, that would bring all NATO countries into Ukraine's war with Russia. Biden noted that adding a country to NATO is a long process. The president did say he made it clear to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky the U.S. will continue to provide security and weaponry to Ukraine if a ceasefire or peace agreement is reached. The two-day NATO summit is in Lithuania. Tomorrow and Wednesday, the president today is in the U.K. The U.S. military says Reaper drones have killed a top ISIS leader hiding in Syria. Mark Mayfield reports. The U.S. Central Command announced the drone strike in a statement on Sunday. It noted that Osama al-Muhajir was killed on Friday by the same three Reaper drones that had been harassed earlier in the day by Russian fighter jets over Syria. CENTCOM said there were no indications that any civilians were killed in the airstrike. I'm Mark Mayfield. Severe weather is bearing down on areas throughout the U.S. More than 30 million Americans are under some kind of heat alert, and excessive temperatures are likely in parts of Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada throughout the week. In Texas, El Paso set a record yesterday for the longest streak of consecutive days above 100 degrees at 24 in a row. Meantime, severe storms began sweeping the northeast yesterday, affecting hundreds of flights 
at key travel hubs. The northern lights could be visible across at least 16, possibly 17 states this week. The University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute is predicting high activity of the aurora borealis on Wednesday and Thursday across much of the northern U.S. and parts of Canada. The forecast says the light show in the night sky will be visible as far south as Indiana and from Maine to Washington state. The best time to see the northern lights will be from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. local time, and the best place to see them will be in rural areas away from city lights. And the unofficial first half of Major League Baseball's season is in the books, and there are several surprising teams leading their divisions. After losing 100 games last season, our Cincinnati Reds find themselves atop the NL Central at 50-41, and 41. that's one game ahead of Milwaukee currently. The Young Diamondbacks are tied with the Dodgers in the NL West race. The Braves continue to dominate the NL East. That's not exactly surprising. They have the best record in the senior circuit at 60-29. and 29. Wow. The Tampa Bay Rays lead the American League at 58-35, and 35, currently two games ahead of the Orioles in the AL East. The Rangers also have seen a great turnaround after losing 94 games last year. Texas heads into the break first in the AL West at 58-39, and 39, two games ahead of defending World Series champion Houston Astros. The Cleveland Guardians hold just a game, a half-game lead on the Twins in the AL Central. So there you have it. That's where, that's where the MLB stands as the, uh, uh, the home run the- derby is tonight. You you got any 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 surprises out of that mix? Do I'm gonna I say I'm going to say the Orioles closing on the Rays, only two games back, and the AL East is pretty surprising with the Yankees and the Red Sox at the bottom of the division. I know it's pretty wild. The Reds, Reds are exciting. I I mean I'm not going to lie. I mean I, I feel know... really bad for Pirates fans. They started off so hot this year, and now they're eight and a half games back. Cardinals at the bottom of the division. Actually, I don't feel bad about that. They're so hot this year. The Reds are what so hot What about the Diamondbacks, too? Man, it's going to be an interesting second half of the season. It really will be. I have to I have to keep telling myself, you know, I went to a Reds game not this past Friday, but the Friday before, and then was at, like, the post-game, you know, uh, the post-game show that they have on the Reds uh, Were you at the one where Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle? No, no, but it was very exciting. We won um, in, over the Padres in 11 innings on a walk-off oh, home run one. after yeah. Ellie De La Cruz was thrown out at home on a controversial call. So, um, That's anyway. Right. He wasn't thrown out at home over the weekend when he stole, when he stole second, home? third, yeah. and home <laughs> in the same at-bat. It was incredible. It was incredible. He, he is a big surprise this year. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's good. But we still got a whole half of a season of baseball. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Sam LaCure said in the post-game show, like, I have to keep telling myself we still have. Still have a whole lot of baseball to play. A whole lot of baseball to play, but this is an exciting time. Baseball's the true test. The Mm -hmm. NFL, man, you can be hot for a few weeks, but baseball, you got to, it's the grind. Yep. That's why baseball is the best analogy for the spiritual life. You can't just have a couple of good weekends. Yep. You got to do, uh. You got to do, do day in and day out. Teresa Tomio knows this. You got to live the Christian life day in, day out. You can't just play on Sundays. I'm talking to you, NFL. Morning, Teresa. Morning. How are you? 
I'm doing well. So I, I've uh, been out for a couple of weeks, and it's good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's good. To, yeah, we've been traveling and you know back in the states and whatnot, and uh, we're traveling again. Actually, yesterday I was telling Paul Deacon Tom and I wrapped up a uh, two and a half day retreat that we gave to uh, the deacons and their wives for the diocese of Austin, Texas. It took place in San Antonio, beautiful San Antonio, and I was mentioning the fact that I loved the reading yesterday, the gospel reading, and the Holy Father's reflection, talking about reflecting and being able to marvel at God. And you talk about being in the middle of summer. How are we doing? Because summer is beautiful. Of course, I know a lot of people are struggling with the weather right now in, in various parts of the country, but summer is a great time when we take our vacations and we try to relax. And do we really take time to marvel at God? And that was the theme of our retreat was Remember to Remember, based on a really cool song by one of my favorite Christian pop artists, Stephen Curtis Chapman, to encourage the couples to remember their original call to marriage, the vocation of marriage first and foremost, and then to remember the call to the diaconate, and talking about the importance of reflection. In addition to what Scripture says about the importance of remembering what the Lord has done, there's so many really cool studies that talk about the importance of reflecting in our daily lives for our own peace, but also in business. Harvard Business School has done, we bring this up in our talk, a lot of research on the importance of looking where your company has been so you know where you're going. So I think now that we're in the middle of summer, are we pausing enough, are we taking the Holy Father's advice and really reflecting and looking at the beauty of the world, but also, okay, are we doing the will of God? Are we doing what God wants us to do? And maybe what can we do differently and, and better as we continue to grow? Well, and, you know, that reflection, that remembrance, that memory, well, it's at the heart of what it means to be Christians anyway, because uh, when we talk about the memorial sacrifice of the Eucharist, which is right. everything we're anchored about, uh, you know, as Catholics, uh, that's not a mere memory. Like, we're looking back, mm-hmm. remember when that happened, we're entering into it. Right. Uh, and it sort of, sort of colors our whole understanding of that question as Christians. But I think also it's important for us to sort of rethink that idea of memory anyway, because it seems to me like, you know, a lot of the way that I'm wired, I tend to only remember the terrible things that I regret. Right? So when yeah, I'm I looking think we back, I'm only looking that, back at stuff I wish I yeah. could change, you know? Yeah. I was talking about that. I said memory gets a, remembering gets a bad rap because it's associated with going back to a painful moment of the past. But when we look back on our lives and we think about how far God has brought us, I, to me that really strengthens our faith. Dominic and I do that all the time, and, and we mentioned that at the beginning of our retreat. We said, okay, we knew we got on the plane at Detroit Metro Airport and you know, took a flight to San Antonio. They picked us up at the airport. They brought us to the retreat center. But we often tell ourselves, and we look at what could have happened in our marriage before God came in, how in the heck did we get here? How did we get to the point where he's a deacon and I'm a talk show host and a pro-life activist and we were so far away from each other and so far away with God and so that from God that gives you a real sense of appreciation and it makes you want to stay even closer to God to keep thanking him for what he's done for you and what you know he's going to do in the future as blessed Solana's Casey says then we're thanking God ahead of time Re- remembering helps you do that well I think too I mean there's a couple of different ways to get remembering wrong one is to just focus on your regrets the other is uh you know the nostalgia trap right where you're like oh you know, things are so terrible now. Remember when everything used to be amazing? You yeah. know, everybody used to have, you know, a better moral compass and, you know, better, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think that looking back, you know, we've kind of always been pretty broken people. There's different and wild challenges now, but I think that it's a it's a mistake to, to say, oh, it's all horrible now and, you know, it's irredeemable. Back then, you know, there was a chance to redeem 
you know, society. The fact is there's challenges and opportunities in every era. St. Augustine says something about how, you know, you could say the times are bad, you know, the times are terrible. And he says, well, uh, as we are, so are the times, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that nostalgia trap is a very, very seductive one. When people say that about the church, I think about St. Francis, and this hit me last year when we were doing the Good News Cruise, and we were at Mass, and, and when we have the Masses on the ship, they have a big a big image of the San Damiano Cross, and I was sitting there thinking about just that, because I just received an email from someone who was kind of stuck and angry, and you know, thinking, as you said, that the church is imploding, the world is ending, blah, 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 and I looked at that cross, and I said, you know, that's St. Francis was spoken to by God, rebuilt my church, and that was centuries ago. So exactly as you said, every era, every time we're living, not that we don't acknowledge the issues, and there are some things that weren't issues maybe back in St. Francis's time, or maybe we didn't know about them because we didn't have the media, but it, it's, I think you have to have a balance. The church is all about balance, that you look at the past and you understand you know, what your role is better in terms of where you're going in the future. So just that's been sticking me through a lot lately, especially when I heard uh, the Holy Father's Angelus message yesterday. Well, I mean, and this is, I mean, think about what we're doing in the rosary, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing it, you know, five mysteries a decade at a time, uh, you know, doing just that, reflecting, remembering, yeah. entering into the story uh, yet again, a story that's super familiar, but there's still lots to be explored within it. So, yeah. Good stuff, Teresa. Yeah. I look forward yeah, I, to I uh... so. It's a good reminder, I think, for all of us. And sometimes even if we're in ministry, we get so busy and caught up in the everyday activities of trying to serve that we forget to stop and say, okay, Lord, you know, you are God and, and you know how great thou art. And I think going back and looking at the Holy Father's message yesterday is really cool. It's a beautiful message. Oh, I, I heard a great line, Teresa, and you're, you're welcome to steal this because I'm stealing it from the person who apparently stole it from somebody else. But I heard this past <laughs> week that if you're involved in any kind of church work, whether it's, you know— public, private, any kind of thing where you're involved in ministry. you got to be careful that you don't get so caught up in the work of the Lord that you forget about the Lord of the work. <gasps> Ooh, that's like that? a good one. Yeah, I I'm like going to tattoo that on my, uh, you know, inner arm or something. Ooh, I love it. Well, good stuff. We'll be tuned in to Catholic Connection later this morning. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. God bless. Have a great week. Bye-bye. All right, 16 minutes past the hour, got headlines next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Health Share, 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. 
Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off, anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN Podcasts, they're waiting for you. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis will create 21 new cardinals in September, including two with deep ties to the United States. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis made an appeal for peace in the Holy Land as well as in Ukraine. And President Biden is in London today on the first leg of a five-day European trip. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, we were talking about the Sunday Mass readings. Wanted to take a look at least a little bit at some of the ones today. Uh, We had talked last hour about the gospel reading from Matthew about the healing. And it's Matthew's account. Mark's account uh, is kind of an interesting sort of juxtaposition. Matthew tells the story, too, of Jesus going to heal an official's daughter. And uh, on the way, he's touched um, by a woman who has had a hemorrhage and heals her. But the first um, the first reading at Mass is a very interesting one from Genesis. And uh, I know Father Hezekiah has talked about this one before a number of times, but in Genesis 28, when uh, Jacob is, you know, going to sleep and uh, he's been given a promise and uh, he uh, sees this, well, he has this dream of a stairway resting on the ground, the top reaching mm-hmm. to the heavens, God's angels going up and down uh, on it. And it's a promise that, it's interesting that this Thomas, this promise is reinforced to Jacob. It's already been made to Abraham, uh, but that it's reinforced to Jacob uh, is just kind of an interesting thing that, you know, Jacob could have rested on the promise of Abraham, but it was a promise that was re repurposed uh, or, or restated to Abraham. Uh, I'm sorry, to Jacob, which kind of goes back a little bit to something that I was just talking about with Teresa about how, you know, God promised to sustain the church in the early days. He sustained it, you know, in previous eras. Why would we think that he wouldn't revisit that promise and reinvigorate that promise to us today as Mm -hmm. the church? Absolutely. I mean, I quote Father Hezekiah a lot in saying that we have to know our history as Catholics because... God doesn't change. And so if we understand how he operated in history and the Bible gives us that information, um, if we understand it, we can better see how God is operating today because he still does. Well, and that promise given to Jacob in this first reading is in continuity with the promise given to Abraham. This is a promise for us today is in continuity with the promise given in the age of the apostles to sustain the church. And for iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. 
Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy. Hail Mary, in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. It's great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And Pope Francis has announced that the next consistory to create new cardinals will be taking place on September 30th, which is just ahead of the gathering of the Synod on Synodality. First of all, Brendan, can you just give us the basic rundown of the cardinals appointed? Yes. Uh, There are 18 new voting age cardinals who are being added. Um, and uh, that represents the largest number of voting age cardinals that Francis has ever appointed at one time. Um, this is also the youngest batch of cardinals that Francis has ever appointed. Their average age is uh, 63 and uh, just a little over half, which is uh, a couple years younger than the average age of uh, the previous batch of cardinals, and indeed, as I said, the youngest group that Um, Francis has ever appointed. And it's a very European batch of cardinals. Uh, Nine out of the 18 are born in Europe, um, and that shifts the overall profile of the College of Cardinals back a little bit towards the European continent. Um, Hmm. Overall, Francis has appointed a lot of cardinals from around the world. He's created a, a lot of cardinals where the first cardinal from their see uh, but uh, this group of cardinals is more European than 
the College of Cardinals was going into this year. Wow. Okay. So I want to get to uh, geography in just a moment, but let's go back to the the college in general. How big does this make the College of Cardinals um, come September 30th? So that's another interesting thing. Uh, the uh, the college is also going to be at its largest, um, actually the largest it has been since um, since um, 1971. Um, so Cardinals age out of being able to vote when they turn 80. And uh, looking at the pre-existing Cardinals um, going into this year, by the end of this year there would have been only 113 who were still of voting age. So adding these guys in, we will be up to 131. Uh, that is the largest number of Cardinals we've had since Paul VI capped the number of Cardinals at 120 back in 1975. Hmm. Now, it is actually pretty normal that a pope would appoint more than a number of Cardinals that would bring it up above 120 uh, because Cardinals are constantly aging out. And over the next year, we're going to see another 12 Cardinals pass 80 which will bring it back down to 121. So it is it is normal, but it's kind of the, the highest uh, watermark that we've seen um, in a long time. Well, that gives you an indication of what Pope Francis believes about his health. He thinks he's going to be around for another 12 months, that there wouldn't be a, uh, a, uh, a conclave perhaps in the next 12 months, that uh, it'll bring it back down to uh, a manageable, I guess you could say, or I'm Maybe manageable is not the right word, but number of cardinals nonetheless back to a normal number of cardinals um, in the next year. So let's talk a little bit more about geography. Can you give us the breakdown in terms of how much of the college is European or African or Asian or American? Yeah, so if we look at the college as a whole, um, Prior to this, um, the overall college was 42% uh, European, and after this, it's going to be 43% European. Wow. Um, the growing group is uh, African cardinals, so they will go from 12% to 13%. And what we saw is that cardinals from Asia are falling from 16% to 15%, and cardinals from North America from 11% to 10 percent. Um, South America and Central America and Oceania are, are remaining uh, the same in terms of composition. Okay, so what are some other stats that, that you've been digging up that, that you find particularly interesting, Brendan? So a couple of things that jumped out at me, uh, we will have the least Italian College of Cardinals in history after mm. this. So um, as of this year, uh, with Cardinals born in Italy turning 80, we would be down to 15, and this new batch includes only two, so there will be 17 voting age cardinals. Uh, last year there were 20, and of course if you go back, uh, it used to be that the majority of cardinals were Italians. So we're going down to a pretty small number of Italians out of the total. And then we also have some, um, some interesting uh, re representation from what, uh, what Pope Francis would call the peripheries. Uh, one of the really interesting examples here is Archbishop uh, Stephen Mullah from the Archdiocese of Juba in South Sudan. He is the first 
Sudanese cardinal in modern Catholic history. And if you recall, when Pope Francis went to Africa recently, South Sudan, uh, which is, of course, a very new country and is the Catholic split off from North Sudan, which is or Sudan, which is the vast majority Muslim. Uh, South Sudan was one of Pope Francis's stops. So that church that he just visited is now going to be a part of the College of Cardinals. Very, very cool. And I was doing a little um, cross-examination here with the list of uh, bishops and, and prelates that have been invited to the Synod on Synodality. And I'm pretty sure if I did this correctly, there are eight of them who will be sticking around for the uh, for the Synod uh, the next day, I believe it begins. Anyway, we've got Brendan Hodge linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. All right. It is half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The president of the U.S. Bishops Conference has offered his congratulations to the two soon-to-be cardinals who have deep ties to the United States. Chicago native Archbishop Robert Prevost is head of the Dicastery for Bishops and Archbishop Christophe Pierre is the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States. Both of them will be elevated to the rank of cardinal come September 30th. Archbishop Timothy Broglio said in a statement, quote, please join me in praying for Cardinal-designate Prevost and Cardinal-designate Pierre as they continue their lives of service to the Universal Church. For the church in the United States, he said their ministry has been a true blessing. Our Episcopal Conference rejoices in this sign of recognition of these distinguished churchmen, end quote. Pope Francis made the announcement during his Angelus address yesterday that he would be creating 21 new cardinals at a consistory that's scheduled for September 30th. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for an end to violence in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Nathan Morley has more. Pope Francis appealed for dialogue in the Holy Land and for peace and reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians. The call came amid heightened tensions following Israel's recent military incursion into the occupied West Bank. Last week, Israel targeted the Janine refugee camp, resulting in widespread devastation. The unrest began when 150 armoured vehicles and around 1,000 Israeli soldiers enforced a siege on the Janine camp, a known flashpoint for Israeli-Palestinian violence. Video footage showed the destruction of homes, shops, roads, water and electricity networks, which caused an almost complete power outage after the raids. The Israeli army, for their part, said the operation was aimed at destroying and confiscating weapons. During the operation, the UN's humanitarian office said it was alarmed at the scale of air and ground operations in Jenin, and especially airstrikes hitting a densely populated camp. Thousands of Palestinians fled the camp once the unrest began. In response to the Israeli operation, seven people were injured, three seriously, in a car ramming attack in Tel Aviv on Tuesday. This weekend, a delegation of foreign diplomats visited the refugee G-Camp on a tour organized by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees. A delegation of mostly 30 European diplomats inspected homes and infrastructure which was destroyed during the offensive. According to the Palestinian Red Crescent Society, the Israeli military operation in Jenin left 13 Palestinians dead and at least 150 others wounded, including 30 in critical condition. 
For Vatican Radio, this is Nathan Morley reporting. President Biden is in London on the first leg of a five-day European trip. He arrived over the weekend for a high-stakes visit leading up to the NATO summit this week. Biden will meet with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak this morning and later visit with King Charles III at Windsor Castle. He then travels to Lithuania to hold talks with NATO leaders in a show of support for Ukraine. He has made clear his belief that now is not the time to bring Ukraine into NATO, but the trip does come after the president announced U.S. plans to provide cluster bombs to the Ukrainian military. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says sending those cluster bombs to Ukraine is about keeping the country in the fight against Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. Kirby said on ABC's This Week that the Biden administration is mindful of the potential for civilian casualties caused by the cluster munitions. He added that Russian forces pose a greater risk to Ukrainian civilians and children. Kirby said Russia has already been using cluster bombs in the war. I'm Mark Mayfield. The U.S. bishops have responded to the Supreme Court ruling in Students for Fair Admissions v. Harvard, which effectively overturned race-based affirmative action when it comes to accepting students into universities. Bishop Joseph Perry, who heads the Ad Hoc Committee Against Racism, said in a statement, quote, education is a gift, an opportunity, and an important aspect of our democracy that is not always within reach of all, especially racial and ethnic groups who find themselves on the margin. It is our hope Catholic institutions of higher learning will continue to find ways to make education possible for everyone. It's 35 past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is necessary to receive holy orders worthily? To receive holy orders worthily, it is necessary to be a man in the state of grace, to have necessary knowledge and a divine call to the sacred office. Christ called apostles, and the apostles were all male. And those male apostles, well, they were to have the necessary knowledge. And so for three years, Christ walked with them and taught them, both by word and example. Christ showed them the way to be a priest so that they might then bring that priesthood to others. Christ called them and he says, follow me. That is what makes a man worthy, because ultimately, God does not call those who are worthy. He makes worthy those whom he calls. And so worthiness then is recognizing that we must receive the call and accept the responsibility. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. 
It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. James Schrader. He's vice president of the Psychology and Wellness Department for Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. You can find him online at james-schrader.com, where you can read his essays and listen to his podcast. We've been going through his book, Into the Rising Sun. Good morning, Dr. Schrader. Yeah, good morning. So we've been talking about your experience in the midst of the Ironman competition. Can you tell us about the jersey you wore? Yeah, so the jersey had a couple things. Um, it was in honor of um, one of our our family members who was really struggling with an illness at the time, and it was really a great way to honor for her. She had been going through such a difficult time, and and the family had as a whole. And it was also about, um, it was an interesting line from my uncles, and my uncles kind of supplied this as related to his business. But he, as a Boy Scout, as a very young Boy Scout, um, was always told by his scout director, never, never panic. And it was a message that it obviously resonated with him for a lifelong because he really it was. We talked about what you want to put on the back of the jersey. Um, he ultimately came up with this idea, and I think it just spoke to him because you know so many times in life we're faced with really, really challenging situations, and fear creeps in immediately. And you know that that Boy Scout message of never, never panic is something that is obviously key in, in managing those challenges. Did it help in the midst of the Iron Man to have this phrase in your mind? I mean, certainly you ran into some stumbling blocks during that competition. Sure. Yeah, I think it did. I think that idea of, hey, look, you know, there's plenty of time here. There's plenty of resources. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the day is going to be long. You know, you go in just knowing that every Iron Man is a significant challenge. And so I think that it was a neat thing for me just to think about that idea that, you know, it really truly is, and this sounds cliche, but, I mean, when you start the swim, it's one stroke at a time, right? And when you start the bike, it's really one pedal at a time. And by the time you get to the run, it's one step at a time. And that's the only way it happens. And I think in life, it's a great analogy, right? So often we look at the finish line and we think, there is no way I'm going to get there, right? Like mm-hmm. you look and think about, you know, your work responsibilities or your family or all the things that you're supposed to do, and you look out in that distant, distant place, and you're like, that's, that's, that's too much, right? And the message of the Iron Man, the message of that idea of never, never panic is you don't have to worry about getting to that place. You know, and that, that morning when I dropped off in the, into the river, um, I was in a good place frame of mind because I thought to myself, look, I, the finish line is there, but it's only there because I'm in this moment and if I'm not in these moments and I had segmented out the whole race in many ways, um, the finish line is really never going to come. And I think that's such a key for life that we get caught up in that huge outcome. And instead, let's just let's just be where we're at in this hour, in this you know minute, in this second. And that's so much more manageable. That's such a Catholic idea, don't you think, Dr. Schrader, in terms of the spiritual life? It really is, right? I mean, if you look and think about all the ideas – um, C.S. Lewis talks about that in the present moment, again, we're closest to eternity. And we think about it in the Catholic ideal, in the Catholic world, being with God now is the only way we experience the eternal life, right? That's the only way we experience that here on earth. We can't, 
if we're bemoaning the past, if we think, oh, my race has already gone poorly and I'm really behind my swim pace, you know, well, that's not setting us up well for the future, right? If we're worried about, oh, I've got a marathon to come, you know, whether we're speaking metaphorically or in reality here in the Ironman, well, that's not helping you right now, right? If I'm on the bike mile, mile 10 and I've got thinking about the marathon, I am in completely the wrong place. But it's only in our spiritual lives that when we're in this, this given moment and that we experience and we bless that moment, we take it in and we give it thanks. Um, and that's when we start to feel the presence of God, God's love, and we start to feel the hope that everything is possible, but only with him. Well, isn't it incredible to think that, I mean, when we when we look at this from a, a spiritual perspective, if we're looking at the finish line it is also the present moment for us as Catholics because it's all this. It's all Jesus. I mean, I was just thinking as you were talking about Peter when he was walking on the water toward Jesus, and that is his finish line. It is also his present moment, and then he got distracted, and that's when he started yeah. to sink. Yeah, when we when we're distracted away from where we are now and who we are now, right, as a child of God, that's when we go off the wrong course. And so we have to stay in these moments with God so closely and, and love him fully as, as he loves us. Absolutely. We've been talking to Dr. James Schrader and uh, this little insight that we got from his book, Into the Rising Sun, which you can find through his site, james-schrader.com, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Schrader, thank you so much. Thanks so much, as always. You bet. Always happy to have you. Matt, never, yes. never panic. Okay. <laughs> If you say so. That should be our motto on the radio. Don't never, panic. It's the, uh, never panic. It's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, it's what's printed right there on the cover. Don't panic. Is it? Mm-hmm. I never read it. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Is that... It's not, it's not going to be like crazy edifying. It's just light entertainment. Neat. But you should always carry a towel if you don't have one. Hmm. And the answer to the life of... And the universe and everything is, 40, is 42. Two. Yeah. I knew yes. that one. That one's been thrown around quite a bit. Yes. Well. Rest of those well, things I didn't know. Well, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Stephanie Mann joins us. Plus headlines with Anna Mitchell. It's 17 till. I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework, and services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. 
When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. It's a quarter till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, announced that he will be creating 21 new cardinals come September. Two of them have deep ties to the United States. Chicago native Archbishop Robert Prevost, who heads the Dicastery for Bishops, and Archbishop Christophe Pierre, who is the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father made an appeal for an end to violence in the Holy Land as well as in Ukraine. And President Biden is in London today on the first leg of a five-day European trip. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sorry, and I think I stepped on your line there a moment ago. My timing is off. I'm out of Well, we're going to get, you know, we got we to, gotta, like, get our muscles back in our sunrise morning show muscles back in order yeah speaking of which you know we have a a heavy dose of benedictines in the sunrise morning show you know regular Mm -hmm. guest family right now are we getting any benedictines tomorrow i know for the feast of saint benedict yeah tomorrow's the feast of saint benedict usually father boniface is on although he may be a little busy no he won't be because july 11th is actually not the day that the benedictines themselves celebrate the the feast wow so i think he will be just fine coming on and um you know indulging us to talk about saint benedict on the feast that we all celebrate yeah because we also have i mean we have Father Robert Nixon's a Benedictine from Australia. Mm-hmm. Also, Father Augustine Weta, mm-hmm. you know, a Benedictine. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have at least one Benedictine on tomorrow. Yeah, the Benedictines celebrate him on March twenty first. Okay. Well, now you know. So he'll be. I'll be like all kinds hey, of things. I'm learning. Hey, in the course can of the last you five minutes. please talk about Saint Benedict tomorrow on his feast? I think I remember doing this at one point. His his feast day landed, I guess, on a Tuesday, some other day. Some other year, I mean. And I was like, hey, let's talk about St. Benedict on his feast day. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well. Oh, well. Or no, you know who it was? It wasn't Father Boniface. It was Father Benedict Nivikov, who is, um, he is the the prior of the uh, New, or not New Norcia. That's where Father Robert Nixon is. The regular Norcia? Norcia. Yeah, just in Norcia. The regular one. Yeah, the regular one. Okay. And he was like, oh, Sure. I guess. Well. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll talk Benedict tomorrow, I assure you. Absolutely. He's a favorite. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She's author of Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. She's got a blog of the same name. and We've been going through a book of English martyrs together, and today we get to talk more about Thomas More. Stephanie, good morning. <laughs> Good morning, man. It's always good to talk more about more. Indeed, more. it is. So, uh, let's uh, first of all discuss 
Uh, you know, in your post about this, you talk about mementos of St. Thomas More. Yes. What are we meaning by mementos in this particular case? In this case, we're looking at the actual, his actual decollation, his, his beheading on the scaffold on July 6, 1535. So, Father Bowden, it was interesting, I thought, Father Bowden didn't surround his feast uh, or his the date of his execution with mementos the way that he did St. John Fisher. There's just a few mentions of of, Bened of, of uh, Benedict, of <laughs> Thomas More around the, the date of his uh, actual execution. But this focuses on his behavior, on his uh, mounting the scaffold and preparing to be beheaded on that uh, 9 at 9 a.m., on a summer's day in London outside the tower. And from this account we get, and there's some other accounts that uh, that share this as well, the exchange between Moore yeah. and his executioner, which is absolutely fascinating and I think gives you such a window into who Thomas Moore was. Yes. the and In fact, the, the chronicler that this is usually attributed to, Edward Hall, says, I don't know how we should think of him. Is he a wise fool or is he a is he a foolish wise man? Because more, even as he's facing death, and it is a death by beheading, rather than being hanged, drawn, and quartered, is still kind of cracking jokes. He's making light of a, in a way, you'd say, of a, well, a deadly, a mortal situation. Uh, first, uh, there's his first little jest when he is so weak, the scaffold steps are a little wobbly. He asks for help to get up the scaffold and he says i think i'll be able to take care of myself on the way down and then to his executioner he tells the man you know who seem i guess seems a little nervous you know do your do your duty i i forgive you thank you in fact and then says and but remember my neck is very short so aim well so you don't hurt your own reputation <laughs> because Beheading, although it, it is more merciful than other forms of execution at the time, could still be fraught with danger. If the if the executioner misses and chops the back of your shoulders or whacks you a few times before he actually separates your head from your body, it could be horribly, excruciatingly painful. And to stay with your head on the block while you're being tortured in this way could be difficult too. So that, that little warning, you know, do your job and aim well, and uh, don't uh, don't mess this up because it uh, will be bad for me. And it'll be worse for, and maybe worse for you because it's bad yeah, for your reputation. Yeah, didn't want to mess up his Yelp reviews. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, right. the fact that that Thomas More <laughs> is keeping this sort of spirit. You know, you can't have that kind of spirit about you in a moment like that unless you are a person at peace with. Uh, you know, yes. the ultimate and end. I, I mean, and that's that's. That, I think that's yes. really the message of this exchange. Yes. And I think, uh, as, as I point out in my post, that's also, you know, what St. John Fisher depicted on his execution day in a different way, because it was more in line with his character to be more serious and pious and, and uh, in a way, learned. And Thomas More has always been known, was always known throughout his life for his ability to jest, uh, to uh, see the humor even in horrible things, which I think many of us do. I mean, I I can remember with sometimes maybe not in the moment, but often we look back at events that were very tense and frightening, 
and we see the the humor in it but he's seen the humor in the midst of it and i think that is it's his character and it's the fact that he is at peace he is he is prepared he's been prepared for this day the day of his execution since the day he went into the tower of london he said that often during uh in times when he was being questioned or even asked why he couldn't uh just do what everyone else had done he said i i not thinking about worldly things anymore i've been meditating on the passion of christ i'm preparing myself for death and therefore i don't have these worldly cares anymore and i think that's what he's saying again like you say on the scaffold as he faces this moment of truth this moment of death and, and that, life uh, great line of you know where he his he's face down on the block and his beard is tucked under the block and how he flips it out from underneath and says you know my beard has committed no treason um you know i mean what a what a line what a thought but you know again this this whole story of the martyrs and 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 thomas more preparing for his great day and, and you've talked about uh you know other accounts about some of these men going to their martyrdom as though they were going to their own wedding feast well, that's what he says about the Carthusians when he sees them uh, going out to their deaths uh, months be a month before his, saying that, look, at, or, or on May 4th, two months before his, saying to his daughter Margaret, look at them, they're going like they're going to their, their bridegroom, their bridegrooms going to, to their wedding day. Because uh, I think these martyrs had been thinking, had their heads on straight <laughs> strange thing to say when you're going to lose it they had their heads on straight because they knew where their true home was and they knew what their true goal was and that was their true home is heaven and their true goal was to be faithful to god so that they may earn heaven you know merit heaven and uh, receive the graces to be prepared for these deaths and to uh then soon be with heaven in heaven with god whom they tried to serve the best they could well, I mean, it's that is the supreme irony of it all, right? That these were the ones who sort yes. of kept their heads, uh, you know, the only ones yes. who kept their heads. Uh, in the well, everyone else were the ones who were, you know, were losing them. But you know, the, you mentioned all this prayer and reflection that Thomas More did uh, heading up to the scaffold. Uh, do we know what specifically he prayed? We well, we know that mainly as he well, you know, we know he prayed the Miserere Psalm when he was on the scaffold. Uh, be merciful to me, O God, a sinner, the Psalm 50. So we know that he prayed that Psalm, but his main meditation before that had been on the uh, passion of Christ. And he also has a beautiful prayer that he wrote right after his execution, in which he, again, well, there's actually a, a couple of his prayers where he, one, where he kind of take, makes a, I guess you'd almost say a, a, a an examination of conscience and praise for forgiveness for all his sins and praise for all his enemies, praise for all his friends, praise for his family and goes through a litany like that. And then there's also the great prayer that he says that he wants to set the world at naught and think of higher things. And, and there's even that wonderful line, speaking of you know, having his head on straight, where he says, and I should think my worst enemies, my best friends. And even has the scriptural reference. He says, "For the brothers of jo Joseph did him better good than they knew when they he sent they sent him into exile into Egypt." Just a because clarification. Of that yeah, created the whole those... situation. They could be saved. You said he he wrote those just before his execution. I think you accidentally said he wrote them after. Yes. I don't think he wrote anything after. <laughs> oh, before no. Uh, before. Uh, but man, before what a, after what a, his trial. Exactly. What, what a legacy. And uh, again, uh, check out. Uh, 
Stephanie Mann's blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day, Stephanie. We'll talk to you again soon. You too. Talk to you next week. And we'll talk to you all again on EWTN tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Peace.